0: when you think about what the mind can conceive the mind can achieve so like if if it comes into your head i mean what it means to me today is if something is given to you if something enters your head that means that you already have everything within you to be able to make it real
1: hey friend it's david dobinski here in new york city so excited for this podcast episode with elizabeth cardiello Uh, after college and business school and four years in finance elizabeth dealt with loss found her passion more loss And learn the meaning of post-traumatic growth which is an inspiring element of this conversation that does not get talked about enough and elizabeth is shining a light on so much of this work Uh, elizabeth started cafe Unimatic, a coffee company whose story was featured in the netflix documentary coffee for all she started an education company designed to build confidence in college-age women called legacy out loud and gave two tedx talks and so much more Uh, in this episode you'll learn about legacy Purpose, how serving with your gifts can open up new opportunities, and how one thoughtful, passionate email has sparked a brand new project that you will learn more about related to brave conversations over coffee. As always, this episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at portfoliocareerpodcast.com. There, you can also subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Elizabeth. Um, Elizabeth, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Um, So Elizabeth, if uh, we were to go to an event tonight, how do you typically introduce yourself?
0: Um, I usually say something a lot. I mean, it depends on who we're with. um, But I usually say I own a coffee company that inspires and starts the conversations that will harmonize the world. Mm
1: -hmm. And you said uh, the word uh, or the title owner. And Mm -hmm. I know owner is a meaningful word to you in uh, a couple different ways. Maybe talk to us a little bit about what the word owner means to you.
0: Sure. Um, so when I was about six years old, my dad made me my first set of business cards and the fun part was that he, I mean, he had one obviously. So his had his name on it and mine had my name and the title owner beneath my name. So I was the owner of his business at, at that point. Um, And so I would walk around giving out my business cards because that's what a girl does, right? Like pigtails and all. Um, And I didn't clearly, I didn't have any concept of really what that meant or what that was doing um, really until after I lost him and until I, you know, kind of refound some of the, I mean, I've had one in my wallet for years, but I didn't realize that what he wanted me to own Like, yes, we we started a bunch of businesses together and he made me know that my role in the world was to create things. But at the same time, what he really wanted me to own was myself and my values. And you can't create something without knowing who you are and where you came from and what matters most to you and what you'll really put a stake in the ground for. And I think a lot of that transpired after losing him when I kind of had to figure out the, we were supposed to do this entrepreneurship thing together what how do I do it alone what do you mean do I still do that like who am I supposed to be um and really figuring out what I wanted to leave behind because I was pretty intent on preserving a legacy of his was really what made me realize what owner was intended to mean as opposed to like the face value of what it looked like on the front of you know a six-year-old's business cards
1: hmm so what I'm hearing a little bit is also around this idea of creating a legacy and leaving behind things. And you obviously done a lot of work on that and inspired and helped a lot of people. Uh, maybe talk to us a little bit around this idea of values and purpose and leaving things behind and how, you know, people could start to think about, you know, better alignment or more uh purpose and, and the stuff that they do.
0: Yeah. Um I mean, it's a huge question. (laughs) How long do we have? Um, I mean, so this is going to sound weird, but after losing my dad, I, I wrote his eulogy. And not long after writing his, I ended up writing my own. And that's not something that normal people do, I don't presume. But there was always something in me that I was always drawn to this sort of stuff. I was always drawn to the bigger questions and, you know, the fact that we don't ask the right questions and humans and de- like human development and leadership and I mean like my honors thesis in college was on leadership. The thing that I was most fascinated by in terms of stories that my dad would tell around the table over coffee were when he would talk about things he did I mean most specifically one of his mentors was a guy named Norman Vincent Peale. Um, who was quite literally the person that wrote the book on the power of positive thought, and so because of that relationship, my dad would be the one that the NYPD would call when they'd you know they'd retire someone off the force, and that person would you know hand back their badge and their gun, and then completely lose their identity, and sometimes be on suicide watch, and just like they would really identify with like here's who I am and this is what I like this is my purpose this is what I'm here to do and oh my gosh I just gave that back then who the heck am I and I was I mean since since I was I mean single digits like I was like nine years old and when he would talk about those stories I was endlessly fascinated like what did you say what did they need what were they feeling why did they feel this way and like my little brain was trying to figure out all of these things about human development and I mean I got an education that I didn't even realize I had and so I think I've always been so my dad would essentially like find them or have them to his office or whatever and really like help them realize their purpose their identity what's possible for them and like help them redefine their future and So that was all, I mean, like my favorite classes in business school were emotional intelligence, like shocking, right? Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing that I ended up in finance because those were none of the classes that I liked or wanted to take any more of. Um, And so I think this, this idea of like, well, we all have coffee every morning. If you drink coffee, it's the thing you do every day. We say we meditate, we say we work out, we say we have our green juice daily, but like, what do we, Like, but we miss days, right? Inevitably, we miss days. What we don't miss a day of having coffee in the morning. And it was this recognition of, well, if we just got a little bit more intentional about this thing that we do every day, what could that mean? What could that mean for us? What could that mean for our trajectory? Um, And I think a lot of, for me anyway, redefining or helping people like live into what's possible for them is knowing that confidence comes from combat. Um, and knowing that like, you're not going to know who you are until you've been through really hard things. And I mean, that's not saying that like you're going to welcome those things when they're there. I mean, like I lost my dad and then we lost my family home in hurricane Sandy about two years later. And the idea of, a parent like your best friend being ripped away and then like the concept of home and safety just being gone and me being an only child who was the one who was figuring out how to pay the mortgage and figuring out like how to rebuild the house and like i i became dad and husband and daughter overnight and was just i mean there were there were a lot of things that like had to put my big girl pants on but like i was 26 and relatively mature, but the stuff that I had to do, man, (laughs) like in essence, because of the things that my dad taught me, the things that I knew, the things that like somehow my intuition led me to do the things that I needed to build or to kind of like play the resilience card. And it was in my back pocket, but I didn't know it. And so all of the things that I did luckily innately were the things that helped me get back on my feet. And so I think there's this, there's this concept of, I mean mental resilience is, so everyone heard of PTSD, right? Like we've heard of that thing that, you know, the hard thing happens and it holds you back. Well, no one talks about, which makes me mad, that there's an opposite to that. And the opposite is actually called PTG, post-traumatic growth. And so you go through this hard thing and you have a choice, right? Like you can let it hold you back because you're scared and it hurts and it sucks, or you can let it push you forward. And for me, the fact that you have coffee every day, it's that reminder every day of like, I'm gonna take one step forward today. And this is my symbol of it. And so the Unimatic coffee pot and our coffee has become a symbol of hope and inspiration and daily positive forward movement. And like, this, this isn't put on a happy face. This is, this sucks, this hurts. And I choose to do something that's nourishing for me or for this or for the world, or, uh, you know, I choose to do something with this today rather than let it hold me back. Um, So I think just that redefinition of what's possible after hard things. I mean, I feel like I trust people more when I know they've been through something hard, you know, because they know, like they know who they are at their worst. And I don't know. I think that's when humans get really interesting.
1: Mm. Um, so much to talk about there. Uh, I, I lost my dad, too, and that was a real wake-up moment for myself as, as well. And I love this idea about confidence after combat. Uh, that's a really powerful quote. And what I'm also hearing is around this idea around uh, positive thoughts. And I love one of your famous quotes around, you know, what the, what the mind can conceive, that, um, one can achieve, Maybe talk to us a little bit about that quote a little bit more. And as people are at home or as people are going through a lot of different changes these days, uh, maybe talk to us a little bit about how can we, you know, work through some of these, these challenges. And
0: of course, Um, well, what the mind can conceive, the mind can achieve. I cannot take any credit for that. I just paired it because I heard it every day of my life for every day that my dad was alive he got it from Norman Vincent Peel. So that's where, I mean, there's even like a little, I made my dad this frame that was like a picture of he and I and stuff. And the quote on it that like I drew was what the mind can conceive the mind. I was like 13 maybe. Um, so it was a thing in my family forever. And I do want to make a distinction between positive thoughts and doing like the bypassing of like, no, it's fine. No, it's all good. Like, no, like that's not, that's not what this is. Um, I think I fell in love with the ideas of, you know, a Norman Vincent Peale or anything to anything on that line, because, you know, when we came up with technology that we could put fMRIs on our brains, we could see what was happening to our brains when we were in a more positive thought than a more negative thought. But that doesn't work if they're just forced positive. Like, you know, it's, 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 it's positive psychology, but it's, it's something that it's about the choice. It's not about, I'm going to not feel what is real for me. It's about, wow, I'm going to recognize what's happening for me. And I know that I, you know, I don't have power over what happens to me. I have power over how I respond to it and how can I be proud of myself in the way that I respond to this really shitty thing, you know? And it's, so it's not I'm going to choose to be happy. Like that's, it. it is not rainbows and butterflies. First person to tell you that. But I think there's something about this quote that it's actually changed in meaning to me over the years. And when you think about what the mind can conceive, the mind can achieve. So like if, if it comes into your head, I mean, what it means to me today is if something is given to you, if something enters your head, that means that you already have everything within you to be able to make it real. And so it's this self-belief more than it is about anything else. And it's, you know, you wouldn't have been essentially given, you know, depending on what you believe, God, universe, mother nature, people, you know, the goodness of people, whatever it is, you wouldn't be given this idea, your higher self, like you wouldn't have this idea if you weren't capable of putting it into practice. And our biggest detractor or our biggest sabotage is ourselves it's our fear, it's our self-doubt, it's the things that hold us back. And if we can just remind ourselves that if we were given this idea, we have everything we need to make it real, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it's possible if you want to work for it. So I think for me, that quote has, I mean, it's always kind of been a North Star in a way, and. I mean, as all, I, I don't think I appreciated it every day that I heard it until I, you know, then didn't hear it every day. But it's, it's about coming back to yourself and grounding in what's possible for you and acknowledging what's making you doubt yourself and doing the work to move past that, or at least acknowledge it and say like, I'm really scared of this. I need to, like, you're not going to figure it out. Right. But like, I need to do whatever I need to do to acknowledge it and be able to either take a different path or move through it or knock it down or, you know, whatever that looks like for you. Mm
1: -hmm. And and, uh, a newer initiative or newer project that you're working on is going to be working with the NYPD. And, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong. uh, I believe that uh, people are kind of one email away from, you know, a new opportunity, a new best friend, you name it. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe talk to us a little bit about how, how you were thinking about this opportunity and then how you took action on it. And
0: of course, so I need, I need to do a little bit of backtracking. Um, So I started a coffee company after losing my dad coffee led to deconstructing conversation because you have conversation over coffee Um, and my obsession with neuroscience and human development and positive psychology and mentors that were, hostage negotiators and my dad who was in intelligence who also knew that kind of stuff. Just my obsession with communication um, and coffee really made sense. And I also started an education company around building confidence in young women. So we developed a methodology around what builds confidence and and also resilience. Um, And we, you know, used it with a bunch of colleges, both virtually, and then we took young women on retreats. And it was mostly to help young women really connect with their entrepreneurial spirit and do the, I, I can, like I had this idea and I can, um, we wanted to be the reason why they actually dove in and why they did it. And in that, in deploying that curriculum and in having all of these conversations over coffee, I realized that I was doing the same thing over and over and over again. And what that was, was really creating an environment where people felt safe enough to share whatever was true. And so ended up creating a framework around it's called the it's called brave conversations over coffee and so it's a it's an initiative that i mean we're we're kind of taking a left i mean my time went from coffee to working with corporations and schools and now the NYPD as part of their path forward um, from all of the things that are happening right now but it, it's funny people people hear about brave conversations over coffee and they're like you're the brene brown of coffee which I love. Um, And also I have to disclose that it's not for me. It's I can't ask someone to be vulnerable and share things like I believe that they will when they're ready to. I don't have control over them. All I can do is create the space where they feel safe enough to do that. And so brave is actually an acronym and it's brave is about how to listen. So what brave conversations do is They create an environment where you're listening in a way that empowers others because our innate, our innate programming and like what we do by nature is actually not useful. And so, uh, you know, I put, I put together a lot of, you know, resources from different places. And so the structure that we created is teaches people how to practice doing this in conversation. And so we, I mean, we did, God, like just during lockdown, we did like 50 conversations virtually. And I now we're doing them all over. Um, and we're, and so yes, to your point of your one email away, I've always had this weird, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm not that talented in many things, but I can write a cold email. (laughs) Um, but it has to be an inspired action. It can't just be, I'm just gonna, you know, pump out like a hundred emails. Like that's not going to do anything. That's not it. But I started doing, um, because this framework allows you, teaches you to listen in a way that takes better care of the people around you and also takes better care of yourself. Um, Because, I mean, we've all found our voices now, right? In the last few years, but we're all kind of talking over each other. No one actually knows how to listen. And that's essentially my mission here. And, And you can't, I mean, you can't share something and feel good about it if the person receiving it can't, receive it well right and like so if you're going to have a good conversation over coffee the other person really needs to know how to listen and you can do a lot of harm or good by the way that you listen um and so it not only teaches you how to do that it helps you practice doing it and both give and receive it at the same time and it's this thing that helps people feel more comfortable having hard conversations because it's a structure right like we do this in a very structured way so that when you're out in your normal life, it kind of comes more naturally. So it's an entire structure that allows people to have difficult conversations because you can kind of blame it on the structure of like, well, we have to do it this way, but because it's all rooted in science, it, it helps. And so we started doing conversations around, I mean, after George, George Floyd's murder, we started doing conversations um, around racism. And I'm a white kid clearly i you know i couldn't say anything to it but i partnered with a friend and he he was actually the one asking the questions and kind of doing some of the prep and i was just giving people the structure and holding the space for whatever to happen to happen and after a few of them it was like this is this is a really useful structure for people to learn within and how do i offer that like i think it's also because during I mean, I'm, I'm a native New Yorker, so I remember 9-11. My high school prom was supposed to be Windows on the World and wasn't. Um, and it was that year, too. And so, you know, from that to Hurricane Sandy to just like the, the hard, really hard things that happened in this city, I feel like I was either too young or really just trying to keep the wheels on and, like, trying to make sure that my mom was okay, and, like, you know, I didn't have any extra capacity, but during the beginning of coronavirus, like, at this time, I I felt really different, like, I felt really well-resourced, I felt ready to to show up and serve in whatever way I could. And interestingly, I ran brave conversations over coffee for um, a bunch of Seth Godin's alumni as well. Um, And it was one of the first things that I was like, how can I, how can I help? How can I serve? I'm here. I have, I have bandwidth. What do you need? Um, And so one of the things was I really wanted to figure out a way to be part of my city's path forward. And and I think also because I remember hearing my dad talk about his relationship with the NYPD and granted, I don't know anyone there. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't something that like, I mean, I was in touch with anyone. It was literally me saying like, this feels like, this feels like a big part of what I want to give. And it also feels like a big part of my city. And I mean, who cares if they don't respond? I'm going to write this email and someone's going to smile if they ever read it, right? And if they don't, fine, you know, not meant to be but I wrote an email to Commissioner Shea and I got a response. And now we're talking about, I mean, and we have a pretty big and cool vision to kind of redefine how the NYPD shows up and how they are perceived and felt by the community. And, and it's all going to happen through brave conversations, which is pretty amazing.
1: And one inspired empathetic email with proof points and experience and stuff behind it. And, and it's going to have a huge impact. And that's amazing.
0: It's quality over quantity. That is one thing I will say. It's not about being busy. It's about finding the right things.
1: Mm, uh, so much, so much to, th- to think about there. And, and, and so on the topic of trusting yourself, how were you able to trust yourself and leaving finance then kind of creating your own path and all these amazing projects and businesses and things like that. But maybe talk to us about leaving finance and uh, for the person that's out there, that's like, you know, I know I should leave, or I know this isn't, you know, aligned with my values or yeah, maybe talk to us a little bit about that.
0: Hmm. I mean, there's a part of me that wants to be really honest and say, I wish I felt like I was trusting myself enough when I was leaving. I left because I had to, like, I, like I, I didn't have, I mean, I was, oh my God, I remember being on the phone with, I don't know, an attorney or something in my office at the hedge fund I worked at. My office was next door to the CEO. And at any moment he could walk in and very clearly hear that I was trying to figure out my dad's everything and life from my mom. Cause she couldn't pay the mortgage. She, there was no, like, this was not planned for, there was nothing that was set up. Like it was, it was a thank God I worked in finance for as long as I did moment because I could inter- like, I knew the lingo. I knew what certain words meant and I wasn't scared to ask for help. But if I didn't know anything about any of that, Oh, <sighs> I don't even want to think about what would have happened. Um, So for me, it was like, there are these huge problems that no one else can solve. So I didn't really have too much of a choice. I mean, I knew I wanted to do something on my own always. And initially, to be honest, it wasn't a coffee company. I was cleaning out my dad's old office um, because I had written a business plan for essentially a co-working space. And I wanted to be, part of the reason why new companies in New York incorporated, like I didn't want to be, and this was back in 2000, what, like 10. So I didn't want to be part of, I didn't want to be a real estate play that like, you know, expensive office space for, you know, it, it wasn't really a WeWork thing. And it wasn't like, it wasn't if you were funded, it wasn't if you were, you know, making money already and could afford office space. This was, I want to be the space that, has the programming and the kind of community that makes people think I can, I'm going to go for this. I'm going to do this. Um, and again, it goes back to being part of my city and like, I want more businesses to start here. And I mean, so many funny stories around that, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I was working with NYC EDC on a grant for a space and, you know, because of, you know, think about working with a municipality that is not entrepreneurial to do something entrepreneurial (laughs) is really challenging. Um, But I mean, long story short, I realized that I couldn't start anything there in that. I mean, I was, it was going to be in my dad's old office in Brooklyn and I was creating all these fun problems for myself to solve. that I loved thinking about, but my mom needed to sleep at night. And it was like, okay, I just, I just need to lease this space and like be done and I'll figure myself out afterward. But like, forget it put that on the shelf. I'm just going to clean this out and rent it so that, and then start fresh. And then just like not ha- like my first business was going to be what potentially like supported my mom. Like this, these are not, <laughs> this is not the kind of stress that I needed to have. Um, so almost, almost immediately after I made that decision and was like, nope, I've got to take care of her for, I mean, my dad's last words to me were take care of your mother. Um, and so almost a couple of weeks, I think after I did that was when I was cleaning out the space still and opened what he always called the inventory closet, a door that I walked past a bazillion times as a kid and opened the door and was met with a wall of boxes of this coffee pot and was like, Oh cool. Like, you know, wedding presents for a year. Great. You know, throw them in the car. What's next? And was moving boxes until I realized that it wasn't a door to a closet it was the door to a warehouse. It was the door to like the building went back and like, you didn't know about it. So there were 5,000 of these things. Um, And it was just this, like you took care of her. You, you had your values, you put your values first and now here go like, this is our last chance to do that thing we wanted to do together. And I don't know how much you vibe with this, but like I can go in the spiritual direction I just, when you are in alignment and taking actions that are rooted in your highest and best and what you can do and serve and give that, you know, that aren't rooted in greed or I want to be famous or, you know, anything like that or, or ego essentially. Right. Um, magic happens. Like it just, I'm living proof. Like it happens and it finds you. And I didn't figure out that I was gonna start a coffee company. If you told me when I was in college that I was gonna do anything that I've done, I would have laughed at you. But some of it is just like getting really clear on who you are and who you wanna be. I mean, the questions for Legacy Out Loud, which um, has kind of turned into Brave Conversations, but was the retreats that we took these young women in college on. I actually have a virtual one in two days, actually. Um, But the questions are, who do you wanna be? what do you want to give and what do you want to leave behind and if you get really clear on those things and you just start making decisions based on that which is essentially based on your values and you start turning those values into actions things just line up and like you and you can't you can't say oh, i'm going to do this in this time and this and you can't tell what's going to you know kind of swoop in front of you it's just one of those things that when you can tell I care about this and I care about this. Like for example, I always say Steve jobs, he didn't say, I'm going to build an iPhone. He didn't know that he said, I care about design and I care about technology as far as anyone else was concerned. Those things didn't even go together at that point, but he was committed to these two things that he really believed in. And he believed that they went together and the rest is history. Right? So I think it's just knowing your unique version of values combination and taking actions toward it and being open to and being curious about what else could this look like? Because I mean, the job you have now, job you're going to have in five years may not even exist yet. So like, chill, (laughs) figure it out. (laughs) Just stay true to you. I mean, that sounds, that it sounds hokey and, you know, squishy and ridiculous, but um, it's true.
1: Just like you're, your latest project, right? That's where it came from, right? Just being true to yourself, being curious, putting yourself out there with the, the gifts that you have. And, you know, it's going to be a huge project and a huge initiative and impact a lot of people, but you didn't predict it a year ago, right? Or you couldn't have predicted a year ago.
0: Couldn't have predicted it. I mean, I think, I think the most fun part is that, so this month, September 30th is my dad's 10 year anniversary. And I, started taking my mom to this ranch in Montana um, because her favorite thing is horses. And if you ask her what she loves, she loves horses. And so I had run a retreat out there and learned about the place, fell in love with the place and then started taking her once a year. And I just, I need, I really, I was looking forward to going this year but didn't really want to put her on a plane. That felt weird. So I went and every September 1st, I, I don't like September first. I haven't in a decade. I feel like the chill in the air, like it just don't don't dig it. And it was fascinating that I ended up on a phone call, looking at these gorgeous ponderosa pine trees with the NYPD. And it was that day that they were like, we we we'd been talking about it for months, but we were like, okay, we're choosing a date, and we're gonna run this. We're gonna do this. And it was on September first at a ranch in Montana, and it was interesting that I felt like I needed to get away because I had, I mean, my ideas got bigger when I was out there and it was, it was, it was the perfect moment for all of that to kind of fall into place. And because my quarantine was not, a lot of people were like, oh, I had so much free time. I did not have, I was the opposite. Um, So that was my week to slow down. And it felt like everything just dropped into place. And it was like, here I am staring at these gorgeous pine trees and just and this thing ends up happening on the day that I generally hate. It was just, I mean, you you couldn't make those things up, right?
1: Beautiful. Love it. So happy for you. And this has been such an amazing conversation and mm, so excited for the magic that's going to happen for listeners. And as they want to follow up and learn more, what's the best way that they can do so, Elizabeth?
0: Um, at Cafe Unimatic, which is C-A-F-F-E-U-N-I-M-A-T-I-C on Instagram is the easiest. Also, cafeunimatic.com Brave Conversations over Coffee.com. You can find me anywhere. I'm very easy to find. You can type in Elizabeth spelled with an S and the word coffee, and you literally find my life story. It was a very bad idea for dating, but <laughs> fine. It's totally fine. <laughs>
1: awesome. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Really appreciate it.
0: Of course. Thank you for having me. It was an honor.
1: Hey friend, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. Wanted to also let you know about my monthly newsletter called One Email Away, where I fundamentally believe that we are all one email away from new opportunities. And if there's a way that I could potentially help you to connect with other people, I would love to do that. So One Email Away, Um, you can sign up for my newsletter on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. You can also see the one email away section. But just want to take this moment to say thank you for, for listening to this episode. Really excited for us to build and grow our portfolio careers together.